and turn to 2 Kings, the book of 2 Kings. In chapter 5, I want to thank you for joining us this morning as always and trust that you'll be challenged and blessed from the Word of God today. I'm going to bring a message this morning entitled, The Need for Cleansing. And I want to bring this message to you this morning out of 2 Kings chapter 5. And it's about a man named Naaman who needed to be cleansed from something that was a malady in his flesh. And it was an incurable disease, the disease of leprosy. And so I want us to look at God's Word this morning and make an application from this about our own need of cleansing in our life. And uh, before we read this text, just by way of introductory statements, think about this um, thought, and maybe it, maybe it resonates with you, maybe it's something that's happened to you in your life at a time or two, but many times we get ideas in our head, and they're, we would call them preconceived ideas. Uh, and what that means is we kind of get an idea in our head of, of the way that we want something to go, and we maybe imagine an event or we imagine something that's ahead of us that we're looking forward to. And we get this idea in our head of, of, of how we want it to be, or at least the way we think it should be. And we'll build up that event in our mind and of, of how things are going to turn out. And, and maybe when that day actually arrives and it finally comes, it doesn't turn out exactly like we've imagined it, it would. And all of a sudden we're left with this sort of like, bleh, feeling inside. That ever happened to you before? Like it didn't measure up to what we've imagined it to be. And now we're sort of left with this unsatisfied feeling in life. And the reason for that is because we had some expectation in our mind that was not fulfilled, that was not met. And many people do that when it comes to salvation and it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it comes to having a relationship with God, many people do that very thing. And too often people want God in their life and they want to, they want to come to God, but they want to come to God on their own terms or the way that they think it should be done. And when they find out, maybe from God's Word or through the preaching of God's Word, that what they had in mind is not acceptable to God, they become offended. They become angry because their expectation wasn't met. And I find this actually to be true with this man Naaman that we're going to read about in 2 Kings chapter 5. And so if you've got your Bible this morning... 2 Kings chapter 5, follow along as I read, and we'll begin in verse 1 and read down through verse 15. And I want us to look this morning at this man and what he went through in order to come to this place of being cleansed and make some applications that parallel with us in our need that we have with God, okay? So, 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. 
He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said this maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God, to kill and to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so... When Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean." But Naaman was wroth, means he was angry, and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean." And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Great story here. But I see several things in this story that greatly parallel you and me and the place that we must come to in order to have a right relationship with God in order to be clean, in order to be saved. And somebody might say, okay, in order to be saved, what do I need to be saved from? What do I need to be cleansed of? Well, the answer to that question is very simple and very plain. The Bible says that all men, that's you, that's me, that's everyone that's ever lived, all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In other words, 
that you and I, it's a universal problem, it's a universal condition, that we're all sinners, we're all short of the glory of God. There's no way that we could ever measure up or meet the standards of God because of our sin. Our sin defiles us, it separates us from God. What I need to be saved from, then, is my sin. I need a relationship with God, and I cannot have one of my own. Because I'm a sinner, the Bible says that we need to be saved from our sin. And I see some very interesting things out of this passage that parallel that and point us in the right direction this morning to show us how we can be cleansed from our sin. Just like Naaman was cleansed from his leprosy. And the first thing that I'd like you to note with me is found in verse 1. And it's really the catalyst for this whole story And we find here in verse 1 that Naaman was a man with a blighted life. Number one, a man with a blighted life. Look at verse 1. He says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master. He was honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. Man, that's a really good description of this guy, isn't it? He's pretty impressive. He's a mighty man in valor. God used him to give deliverance. He was a great man in his country. Respected. He was looked up to. It doesn't sound like he had a blighted life. It sounds like he had a pretty good life, right? But you notice the last few words of that verse? But he was a leper. But he was a leper. Naaman had almost all that a man of the world could ever wish for in the way of honor, in the way of fame, in the way of success. But there was a sore in his life that all the fame and all the fortune of the world could not heal. He was a leper. He was unclean. In that day, leprosy could not be healed. It was incurable. And it was something that actually separated and isolated people because of, its, because of the disease. There was nothing that Naaman could do for himself to get rid of his condition. He had lack of nothing when it came to this world's goods and so on, except for one thing, he lacked purity. He wasn't clean. And this is the one thing that plagued his soul, the one thing that marred his life. He was unclean. And there's no doubt that Naaman would trade everything, for the most part, if it meant that he could be clean. And there's an application here this morning because this is the one thing that each and every one of us has in common as well. Now, we may not be physical lepers with a physical disease, but we all have a spiritual problem, and that spiritual problem is our sin. There's all kinds of classes in this world. As much as it's a shame that there's racism in this world, it's true, there is. And there's class warfare everywhere. There's the rich, the middle class, and the poor. They're trying to get rid of all of the middle class, and they want the rich and the poor. And that's how, because people gain power that way. That's the way this fallen world is. There's dissections in society. There's rich and there's poor. There's black and there's white. There's there's all of these things. But one thing we definitely all have in common is this. We're all unclean. 
We're all sinners. We all have this problem of sin. Let's look at a couple verses of Scripture to show us this, what the Bible says. Look in Proverbs chapter 20. Just keep your place. Keep your place here in 2 Kings and turn to Proverbs chapter 20. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9, Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Now, some of you are still turning there, and that's totally fine. That's okay. But listen to the words. Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Big old question mark, right? A lot of people like to say that they're good people. A lot of people like to (coughs) imagine in their mind that I'm not as bad as somebody else, and therefore I'm pretty good. And the way that God sees me is probably not as bad as this person over here. And we want to puff ourselves up or justify ourselves in our condition. But the Bible says, and it's a rhetorical question, who in the world can say that I've made my heart clean? I'm pure from my sin. Well, no one can say that, not of themselves. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 If you're in Proverbs, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, it's the very next book. So turn to the right just a little bit to chapter 7, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and look at verse 20. Here's why nobody can say, I've made my heart clean. Look at verse 20. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. That's pretty plain, isn't it? There's nobody that does good and doesn't sin in all of the world who's ever lived. Therefore, nobody can say, I've made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. Look in Job. If you go back to the left, right before Proverbs, you'll see Psalms. And then right before Psalms, you'll see Job. Job chapter 15. So if you were here in the Sunday school class and we were... Learning the books of the Bible, this is why you need to know them. (laughs) For this reason, right here. Job chapter 15. And I want you to look in verse 14. The Bible says, What is man that he should be clean? And he which is born of a woman, that he should be righteous. Behold, he putteth no trust in his saints. Yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. In other words, what the Bible says here is, uh, according to, uh, to God, what is man that he should be clean? And the heavens themselves are not even clean in God's sight. So where's the comparison here? Is the comparison between people, like between me and Josh over there, is that the comparison? Or is the comparison between man and God? The heavens are not even clean in God's sight, so what is man that he should be clean? The point that the Bible is making here is that we all have a blight in our life, and it's sin, and our sin causes us to fall short of the glory of God, and our sin causes us to fall under judgment and condemnation from God because He is holy. We don't have a right relationship with God in our natural state, in our self, and what we need is to be cleaned. But just like Naaman, we cannot fix ourselves. 
We cannot cleanse ourselves. There's no man that can say, I've made my heart clean. In fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter 3, that in the eyes of God, when we come into this world, we are condemned already. We're born with this sinful nature about us. That is how we come into the world. We come forth from the womb, speaking lies, breaking the commands of God. That puts us in a very scary place. That we fall under the judgment of God. And what we need is to be clean. Naaman had this problem. He had all that this world could offer, but he was a leper. That was going to kill him. That was going to be the end of him. And there's nothing he could do to save himself. So let's go back to our text because there's something else I want you to notice here. In verses 3 and 4, we find a faithful testimony. So we see a man with a blighted life, but we also find a faithful testimony. Now look at verse 3. Or verse 2 says, And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Okay, So this little girl was the servant for Naaman's wife. She understood that Naaman had this problem, this leprosy. And notice what she says in verse 3. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And so she says, If Naaman was with the prophet that was in Israel, he would heal him. He would recover him of his leprosy. And somebody came and told Naaman, hey, this little girl said there's hope for you. And what I find from that is that there was this faithful testimony. Naaman hears that there is one who can heal his vile body through the simple testimony of this little girl. She had obviously believed that herself or she never would have said anything to them at all. And what Naaman needed was somebody to tell him that there was hope for him. So when he hears that there was hope, Naaman acknowledges his need of cleansing, and he wants to be cleaned. But here is where things start to break down for him, because all of a sudden, maybe Naaman starts to formulate in his mind how all of this cleansing is going to take place. There's hope for me, I want this, but he starts to imagine and formulate in his mind exactly how this is going to go. Something that's going to bring him some accolades. Something that's going to bring him some honor. Something that's going to be magnificent and that all are going to see. And he develops some expectation. The application here is that many times there will be people who acknowledge the fact that they need to be saved from their sin. They acknowledge the fact that they're sinners. They even want to be cleansed from their sin. They want a right relationship with God, but they have ideas in their minds of how it should be and how it ought to go. Instead of going to the author and the source of cleansing, they make up their own ideas of it. You see that in religion a lot. 
People go to church, and because I go to church, you know, this makes me have a relationship with God. Because I'm a member of such and such a church, or because I was baptized, because I do this and I do that, that gives me right standing with God. And it's of our own imagination that we create a good relationship with God. That's what Naaman did. He heard there was hope for his problem, but he had an idea of how it was going to go in his head. And we get a little further in the text, and we find some things out. Now look at verses 5 and 6. And from this, we see a false interpretation. The Bible says in verse 5, And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, I will send a letter unto the king of Israel... And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Now does that fit with what the little girl said? What did she say? Go to the prophet in Israel, and he'll recover thee from thy leprosy. He was a prophet of God. But where did Naaman go in this situation? He didn't go to the prophet. He went to the king of Israel. And I find from here that he went to the wrong source for cleansing. He went to the wrong source. He was supposed to go to the prophet according to verse 3, but he went to the king instead. And you know what? This happens a lot when it comes to our need of cleansing. It happens a lot in this world. People looking for God in their life. They're looking for peace. They're looking for something, but they're looking in the wrong places. They're going to the wrong source. It burns my heart and it breaks my heart to see People out there who think that they have a relationship with God, they're very religious people. You know, they go to the Catholic Church and they think that they're, they're doing their soul a favor and they have some relationship with God and they need to be cleansed from their sin. And what do they do? They go to the priest and, the, and they, they want their sins absolved from a man who's also a sinner who cannot save himself. They're looking in the wrong source. They'll never find cleansing from their sin in the wrong source. Salvation is not found in a man. Salvation is not found in a religion. It's not found in a work that we can do. It's only in the person of Jesus Christ and the blood that He shed and my full faith being put in Him that He is the only hope for my soul. There's nothing I can do except believe on Him. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't have life outside of me. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Look in John chapter 10 with me. John chapter 10. And the Bible says in John 10 and verse 7, if you'll look there with me, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says it's only by me that you're going to be saved. You can't work for your salvation. You cannot earn favor with God because you think you're a good person. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not of yourselves. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, lest any man should boast. Naaman went to the wrong source. He's never going to find cleansing there. But we also understand that he brought the wrong payment. From our text, the Bible tells us Naaman brought the wrong payment. The Bible says that he went to the king and he brought with him all of these the silver and this gold and these changes of raiment. He brought all of these things and he, he brought it to the king, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Man, there was some, there was some wealth that was flowing around here. All this silver, all of this gold, the, the costly apparel and so on, princely gifts, if you will, of great value. And it seemed to them that that was the proper way to go about the matter of his cleansing from this curse of leprosy. Let's bring these expensive gifts. That was his own wisdom and his own understanding, and it was wrong. And I find the same is true today when it comes to salvation from sin. People try to bring the wrong payment for their sin expecting that some good work that they've accomplished or their church membership or the fact that they're, you know, a pretty good person compared to somebody else is the right payment for sin. And what they're doing is they're offering this to God. And they're saying, see God, I'm a good person. See God, this is what I do. See God, you should, you should accept me on merits of what I have done. That's essentially what people are doing. And they're bringing the wrong payment for their sin. See, God, I'm a part of a Christian family. See, God, I go to a good church. See, God, look at these things. I have a profession even. I believe in God. And they're holding on to all of these things that are actually of no value in the sight of God. They're bringing the wrong payments for their sin. The Bible tells us that salvation is a gift from God. Romans chapter 6. Would you turn there, please? Romans chapter 6. Verse 23. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When I'm talking to somebody about their need of salvation, I'll come to this verse a lot to try to illustrate something to them. And I'll ask them, what is the difference between a wage and a gift? And it's real common and real simple to understand. What is a wage? A wage is something that you earn, correct? 
Like you work a job, you have a job, you, you agree with your employer that I'll do this work and, and for every hour of work that I put in, you're going to pay me X number of dollars. And you earn the wage of your work, correct? Is it right for you to get paid at the end of the week for the work that you did? Yeah, it is. You deserve that, right? It's a wage that you earned. You worked for it. You deserve to get paid. If you didn't get paid at the end of the week, would it be wrong? Yeah, your employer would be doing you wrong because you deserve that, right? Now, what does the Bible say about the wage of our sin? Romans 6.23, right there. The wages, what you earn, what you deserve for your sin is what? Death. Separation from God. That's what you deserve because of your sin. Do you notice the next word? But. But. There's an alternative. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, right? Now, what's a gift? A gift is something that was purchased not by you, but is given to you, correct? So Christmas time comes around, and we're going to give some gifts, and I've got this gift for you, Bob. Here it is, Bob. It's yours, a gift for you. Bob, this is yours, right? Now, Bob, did it cost you anything? No, it didn't cost you something, but did it cost something? It absolutely did. I had to pay for this. I had to buy this. I had to purchase this. But Bob, it's not mine. It's yours. It's yours. When does this gift that didn't cost you anything become yours? When you receive it. When you reach out and take it. But it didn't cost you anything. But it cost me something. And so we look at our verse, we say the wages, what you deserve for your sin, is death. You deserve separation from God. You cannot have a relationship with God. But there's a gift for you that didn't cost you anything. But it cost Jesus everything. His blood. And it's for you. But not until you reach out and you take it. You can't earn this. You don't deserve this. There's no way you can earn this, but I want to give it to you. That's what God says about eternal life. It cost him everything, but it's free to you. But you receive it by faith. Meaning I can't earn my salvation. I can't work for it. I actually deserve death. I don't deserve that. But he's offering it to me, and I reach out and receive it by faith. Jesus Christ and His shed blood, that is my only hope. I believe that is the hope for my sin and my soul. With all my heart, I receive that gift of salvation in Christ. That's the only payment for your sin. That's the only payment that we can ever bring. And we don't even bring it. But it's, what, but it's what is offered to God on our behalf is the blood of Jesus Christ, and it can cleanse me of my sin. The message, 
is this, that we cannot buy cleansing with money or with any good work. Now look at Titus just to show you from the Word of God. Titus chapter 3. The Bible says in Titus chapter 3, in verse 5, if you're not there, just listen closely. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. It is only by His mercy that He saves us. What is mercy? <clears throat> Not giving us exactly what we deserve. That's what mercy is. And what do we deserve according to Romans 6.23? Death. It's according to His mercy that He saves us. Go back to our text because we need to move along here. But we find that Naaman wanted to be cleansed. But he had some expectation in his mind of how it was going to go. He had a false interpretation about it. He brought this princely gift. He went to the wrong source. He's never going to find cleansing in any of those things. And the next thing we look at is in verses 8 through 10, and we see a simple message. Verse 8. <laughs> Excuse me. And it was so... When Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. Pretty simple message here. Naaman, you can be clean. What you need to do is you need to go wash in the River Jordan seven times, and you're going to be restored. Pretty simple message, right? It wasn't complicated. It wasn't confusing. It was a very simple message to Naaman to simply go and wash in the Jordan seven times. A simple message but it's an exclusive message. It was not what Naaman wanted to hear, though, and we'll read here how Naaman wanted to do some great thing. He had an idea in his mind of how this should go. Look at verse 13. And a servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, wash and be clean. Naaman was prepared to go do some great thing here so I can earn my cleansing. And the message was so simple. Just simply go and wash and you'll be clean. But that's not what he imagined it should be. <coughs> and I'm saying this, when it comes to our salvation, the message is also very simple, folks. The message is simply this. Repent of your sin. Believe the gospel. 
The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 that God commands all men everywhere to repent. That's the message. Jesus preached the message, repent or perish. John the Baptist preached the message, repentance toward God or you're going to perish. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. This is how you can be cleansed from your sin. Simple message. What does it mean to repent? It means to change your mind. To change your mind about your life of sin. To change your mind about your good works that aren't good at all, actually. And the message is simple. Repent and believe. But too often, it's not the message that people want to hear because it's exclusive. What do people want to hear? People want God to be like I've used the illustration before, the, the hub of a wagon wheel. And you know how you have the old wagon wheel and it's got that center hub and then you got all these spokes that come out from it and make the wheel? You know what I'm talking about? That's what people want God to be like. God's there in the middle and my religion is the spoke of the wheel and your religion is this spoke of the wheel and your religion is this and we all have our own way but we're all coming to God our own way. We're all in the same place. Not so. Not according to the Word of God. The way to salvation is a simple message. It's repent of your sin. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. But it's an exclusive message in that this is the only way you'll ever be saved. And then look at verse 11 and 12 because here we find the rebellious spirit So we know what the message is. Go wash in Jordan seven times and you'll be clean. But notice his rebellious spirit. But Naaman was wroth. He was angry and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me. What did he do? He sent a servant instead. So Naaman wanted the prophet to come out to him. Naaman wanted the man of God to come. The the, the one with the name and the reputation, you come out to me. I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Sounds like faith healing, right? Why don't you, if you need to be saved, why don't you come on up here to the platform and I'm going to strike my hand across your face and recover recover you from your sin. Now look at verse 12. Are not Abana and Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Why did this God-sent message of salvation for him come as a spear being thrust into his heart? Why wouldn't he be overjoyed for my my problem and I can be clean? I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Why wouldn't it? The answer is because his expectations weren't met. It was his pride that kept him a leper. He went away mad and he was still a leper. Right? There was nothing for him to do except simply submit himself and that, but that would be injurious 
to his pride. There was no way for him to receive any honor out of that. There was no way for him to be recognized or get credit for the work of cleansing. He wanted to be clean, but he wanted it done his way. He said, I thought that he would come to me. The proud I and the haughty me, that needed to be broken before God's saving power could be enjoyed. And the same is true when it comes to our problem of sin in a relationship with God. The simple message of the gospel cuts to the heart of any preconceived opinions or self-efforts of man. And what we simply need to do is submit ourselves to what God has said in His Word is the answer for our soul. Naaman could have washed as often as he liked in the rivers of Damascus, but he still would have been a leper because there was no regenerating power in any of those things. There was nothing special even about the waters of the river Jordan. It wasn't about the water. It was about his, his, his pride and his stubborn will. That's what it was about. A person seeking salvation can trust in any religion they want. They can trust in any you know, of their profession or their fact that they were raised in a Christian family or the fact that they say they believe in God, but they'll still be unforgiven in their sin if they've not repented of their sin and trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When was the day that you saw yourself as unclean before God and in humility said, I deserve judgment and wrath, but God, I know that there's no hope for me and you're the only hope for my soul. And Lord, I submit myself to you. When did that happen? Because you've not always been a Christian. No one ever has. Because you go to some Christian church doesn't make you a Christian or in a right relationship with God. It never can. When was your stubborn, sinful will broken and you said, God, I know I'm a sinner and I'm in trouble. But Lord, I need you to save me. When did that happen in your life? That message of hope for the soul is only offensive to those who are proud and haughty and still trying to appease God with their own goodness. Still trying to come to God their own way. I want God in my life, but it's going to be this way. What you need is to yield yourself to Him. Amen? That's where the blessing of God is. You know what? There are people that the Bible describes that were like that. <coughs> they thought themselves to be righteous. They thought themselves to be in good standing with God, and then they were standing before God, and all of a sudden there was a big problem. Go to Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 7 and verse 21, the Bible says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
many will say to me in that day, the day they stand before God, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What a terrible place to be. Believing that they had right relationships with God because of all the things they did. And as they're standing before God, they're saying, See God, look what I've done. I've done all of these things in your name. I was a good Christian. I was religious in all of my works. See God? God says, big problem. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. All your works that you think are good are actually iniquity. What you needed was a relationship with me. The only way to get a relationship with me is through repentance of your sin and putting your faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood. The Bible says, tells of a story in Matthew 19. Go over there. I'm about finished, so just stay with me here. Matthew 19 and verse 16. Matthew 19, verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may... or have eternal life. So you got the question, the idea here? Somebody comes to Jesus and says, Good Master, what do I do that I may have eternal life? See his thought process? I've got to work for this. There's something I I need to do so that I can have this. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which, Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So Jesus lifts off the Ten Commandments. So he says, if you want to have eternal life, keep the commandments. Now, is that really how we get eternal life? No, that's not. But Jesus knew exactly where this man's heart was, and so he's going to test him. He's going to challenge him. And then note this, verse 20, The young man saith unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? You see how he thought about himself? He thought he was a pretty good person. I've kept all the commandments from the time I was a youth. Lie! You broke a commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You lied. Right? But he thought himself to be pretty good. I've done all of these things. What do I lack yet? Now note this. Jesus, in verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Oh, now he touches on one more. He says, oh, you you want eternal life? Then go and sell everything that you have and come and follow me. And here's where we get to where his heart is. 
Verse 22, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. And Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. He wasn't really submitted to God in everything. Because when Jesus touched on that last one, covetousness, and it, it cut right to him because he had great possessions. That would mean he would be forsaking everything that he had earned and worked for his whole life to follow Christ. And I'm not going to go there. He wasn't really submitted to the Lord. He wanted it his way. And here was the problem with Naaman too. Naaman wanted it done his way. He wasn't submitting himself to the will of God. And that brings us to the very last thing. And praise the Lord, the story doesn't end with Naaman in his rebellious spirit. Amen? Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And you're going to see in these last two verses here a surrendered will in a changed man. A surrendered will in a changed man. Now look at verse 13. So Naaman's wroth, he's angry, he doesn't want to submit himself. And he turned and he went away in a rage. Verse 13 says, And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather or how much better when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? How easy is that? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Thankfully, there were some people who really cared about Naaman. When he went away angry, they said, Hey, man, listen. If, if, you were, if he asked you to do some great, amazing thing, you would have done it. It's so easy. All you got to do is just obey. And it got to his heart. And finally, he submitted himself. And the Bible says that he went and washed in Jordan seven times. And guess what happened? His flesh came to him again as the flesh of a little child. He was changed. His whole life was now going to be different because of this miracle. Naaman was prepared to do some great thing for his cleansing, but he wasn't wanting to do some self-abasing, foolish thing. But he finally came to his senses and he submitted himself to God's way, and that is when his vile body was able to be clean. He gave up his own will. And you know what? <clears throat> that was the hard part. But after he finally made up his mind to surrender to God, the rest was easy because it was all the Lord. And I don't know how many times I've seen this in ministry, even in my own life. People struggling with the simplicity of the remedy for their sin simply because they just don't want to submit. But when they finally come to the end of themselves, this was me, this was me. 
when they finally come to the end of themselves and give in to God and their life is changed, what joy and what peace fills the soul. And the thought is, why did I wait so long? I'm finally free. And maybe some can say amen to that today. The Bible tells us in verse 14 that his flesh came to him again as of a little child. He was a new creation. And the same is true in when it comes to salvation. We become a new creature through obedience to God in faith in Jesus Christ. What a perfect illustration of the wonder-working power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We submit to God on His terms. We get rid of our own ideas. We get rid of anything other than Jesus Christ and Him alone for our salvation. We understand our guilt before God, and in repentance, we ask Him for forgiveness, making Him Lord of my life. Lord, You tell me what to do. And we can be cleansed from our foul problem of sin and become a new creation in Christ. Amen? Amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's the greatness of salvation. It changes your life. That's why when people say, oh, I love God. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I'm a Christian. But then you see and examine the fruit of their life. Their life is not changed. They love the things of the world. They don't mind the cussing and the swearing and the, and the whatever. That's all stuff that they do in private, but we won't do it out in public in front of church people and so on. Their heart, their heart is still wrong before God. It doesn't matter what you say. Oh, I love God. It doesn't matter what you say. God will change your life and make you brand new if you're really saved. That is evidence of salvation. If your life doesn't change after you have some profession of faith, you are not saved. I don't say that out of anger, and I don't say it out of any kind of malice at all. I say it out of concern for your soul. There's only one way. And it's through repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. And if you leave this life without the hope for your soul, friend, you are forever separated from God in the lake of fire. There is no more hope. What would have happened to Naaman if he rejected the message and he still went away without submitting himself? What would have happened? He would have still been a leper and he would have died a leper. The great change in Naaman's life <laughs> was only because he submitted himself to God's way. Amen? And here's the conclusion. After Naaman submitted himself and Naaman was cleansed, he's this new person. I want you to note what he says in verse 15. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. You know what he's confessing here? There's no other God but the one true God, 
the God of Israel, Jehovah God. Now I know it. I know it for sure because he changed my life. He performed a miracle. And you know, when you truly get saved and you're born again, you're going to want to confess the same thing. God changed my life. And I want to openly proclaim the great things that God has done for me. I want to tell other people how they too can have a right relationship with God. That's also a mark of salvation. That I want to tell people and I want other people to know what God has done for me, that they can have it too. That's what Naaman did. Amen? What a great story. Lots of parallels here. The question remains this morning is, have you been cleaned? There's a need for cleansing. All of us have it. But have you been cleansed? Have you submitted yourself? Have you come God's way? Are you saved? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you'd use your word today. For those who are here this morning and they've never been born again, maybe they're religious people. They think they have a right relationship with God, but they're basing it on a profession, some work they do, the way they view themselves. I don't know. But Lord, you know the hearts of all men. So Lord, I'm just simply asking that you take your word and use it to draw people to Jesus Christ, who is the only hope for the soul. And if there's somebody here today who's never been saved, that they would humbly submit themselves and their will, like Naaman, to God's way and be made new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.